Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 1-1. Fly ball to left. This should do it. A.J. Pollock makes a catch. White Sox win. They take the series. And they're going to head home feeling a lot better than they did a couple of days ago. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Harris on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Suck it. Everybody that said that the White Sox were trash. That's all right. I mean, that's what you want to say. If you're if you're the White Sox or if you're like the one person that was saying, we got this under control, I'm not really concerned. And then you went. I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays haven't necessarily been playing phenomenal baseball this season. They've been kind of mediocre. And so when you look at the Sox taking that series, though, I mean, both one-run games, I mean, it was they were close. But you're going up against the Dodgers. Uh, tell me what you do against – show me what you do against the Dodgers in this next three-game series. And then, you know, I'll join in that chant of telling everybody to just go suck it, something like that. Uh, speaking of um, the Chicago White Sox and their backbone, we would say, uh, Tim Anderson, we're going to be playing – replaying his interview with Lawrence Holmes – that's going to be right at 8.40, right around there. So make sure you stick around for yeah, that. Yeah, that was really good earlier. Oh, you had a chance to hear the whole thing? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah be I checking it out, man. I mean, no doubt. Obviously, T.A. is usually really good when he gets a chance to address the media. Lawrence is a great interviewer. So, yeah, it's a really fun one. Folks got to make sure they tune in for that. Yeah, when, when I think about Tim Anderson and, and what he means to this team, it's kind of like even a little bit more than what Zach Levine meant to the Bulls. I, I, I always say a dollar, a dollar in the bucket every time I bring up the NBA because that's my my favorite thing. <laughs> my favorite's the NBA. But so every time I compare, yeah. but I look at Zach Levine right because and think about what Zach meant to this Bulls team right at the time. Mm-hmm. It was hey, f- get a centerpiece to your team. Find somebody who you can build around. And uh, granted, you know we had Jose Abreu or excuse me, the White Sox had Jose Abreu on the team, <laughs> but Tim Anderson kind of felt like the guy that everyone can kind of get around just because of his swag, his energy. What what's what, what's your take of him? Because he's still kind of quiet, right? I mean, he's still like a quiet leader. He, he's yeah. he's expressive in, in in his play, which he allows to speak for itself. But in terms of being that brash, you know, young man that you see in most sports, he's not that dude. That's what I think is so cool about him, man. Because there's a there's a confidence that comes across when you can kind of. You know, when in a lot of situations, kind of socially and, you know, to some extent, maybe with even within the locker room where you can kind of walk softly. But but, you know, when you get on the field that you're carrying that big stick, both literally and figuratively and in big hey. moments, how, how frequently have we seen T.A. just rise up? 
on big stages when everyone's counting on him and when a big hit needs to happen. It's not even like he's a, you know, a traditional power bat, but, with, you know, game-winning home runs and home runs silencing Yankee Stadium. So to be able to do that, to have that just within your DNA and, and have the, the swag about him, be able to exude some of that bravado that, frankly, that the South Side needed, that, that Chicago – White Sox fans, the, the entire fan base needed some of that to infuse the juice into things. And then it just seemed to me where Jose Abreu kind of playing a, a role for, for some of the Latin-born players and being that, that sort of you know, elder statesman that can you know, just make sure the transition here to being in Chicago, to being stateside and all those things would be as smooth as possible. But T.A., for that exuberance that he can show on the field – and some of that bravado that he plays the game with, I think it made that easier for a lot of guys too because he said, you know what? If you can show up every day, improve your game, get better at your craft, and still play like that and still have some of that swag that folks feed off of and be one of these central figures in baseball right now that people look to and say, all right, that's what the future of the game can be like, to, to a large extent should be like, to make sure you're appealing to as wide a fan base as possible, then that's where – some of the rest of the roster, when whenever they're healthy, man, whenever Eloy yeah. is healthy, whenever Luis Robert is healthy consistently, you know, perhaps when you get your Mancada back to being himself, then you can get, you know, a lot of that extra juice that comes from a Tim Anderson that sort of flows through the rest of the roster. You know, it's one thing for when Liam Hendricks goes out there where he's as brash as anybody in closing a game out, but you're only getting little <laughs> snippets of that. Here and there, but T.A. is a guy who's out there when he's healthy. You know, so, so many injuries on this squad, man. So many. But when T.A. is healthy enough to be out there on the daily, then everybody can feed off of that. And I do feel like he's kind of the the central figure, kind of the life force of the Sox, while also being their most consistently productive player. Yeah. And I think that where he's a little different than some of the other guys, man, is because this young core that's been paid early and, and in a lot of ways it made yes. sense. But for T.A., he's been a guy who he's developed like every season in the game, I, I guess until this year with the errors defensively. But you've seen Tim Anderson get better every year at the major league level. I was talking to you about development a few weeks back and so many other little scenarios around this town, man. And that's where that, that word development, it is so key as a pro athlete where you come in with skill, you come in with ability. Maybe you even have some success early in your career, but eventually – Everybody else is going to get a little bit of a bead on you. So what do you do? What, what is your off-speed pitch? What is your go-to? Or can you maintain health? All these other things that are associated with sustained success. And there's a lot of guys right now on the south side that for a variety of reasons aren't sustaining success. And so yeah. with a lot of the sort of intangible things that maybe guys are feeding off of with T.A., as big a lesson as they can take from out of anything is whatever his approach has been that's allowed him to get better and better every year at the major league level, especially as a hitter, then that's where they got to make sure they're taking those lessons from him too. He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez, 670 The Score. When talking about Tim Anderson, I mean, you said it best. I mean, he, he, he leads with his, with, his, with his stick, and, you know, he's leading the team in, in batting average. He got the most stolen bases on the team, got the most hits on the team. And it's incredible to see that because – Year in and year out, he's performing. I mean, when he won the batting title, and wasn't it like the quietest right. batting title right. win ever in the history of baseball? Like, you're here in Chicago, and it's like, dude, we got the batting champion on the south side of Chicago, and everybody's like, cricket, no one cares. Yeah, they man. think it's a fluke. Yeah. But here he is again, batting 356 on the season. I mean, that 
Do you, are we, I was he just, shouldn't be the best player on this squad, but that's exactly what he is right now. But there, there's some of these other young cats out here who, you know, Luis Robert, if he can sustain health, then, you know, he, he's probably the one who universally is viewed as he will emerge as the best player on this squad, sure. but he's been hurt frequently. Maybe Eloy, you know, the, the, there was a stretch there. We're thinking maybe it would be Yoan, even Jose Abreu, a, a former MVP. There's so many guys who you look at and by comparison, you say, just if you're just kind of looking at, at how natural the game comes to them or just the gifts, the power, and what modern baseball is, feels like there's several players you could look at and say, maybe they should be the best player on this squad just from a gifts perspective. Sure. But the availability and the improvement of T.A. season after season, he right now is definitively the best player on this team. I'm not even sure it's really even that close. It's not. It's not. I mean, everybody knows when you're looking at this team, even Jose Abreu being an elder statesman, kind of on this team, you know, he's still a younger dude. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about a comparison to Tim Anderson, I mean, Tim Anderson's that dude that is going to put butts in the seat. It's going to attract that new generation of baseball players. But the problem with the Sox team, right, has been injuries. And Tim, when talking to Lawrence Holmes today, said, I know what my guys can do when everybody is healthy. It's a long season. If we can just get our heads above water, get to that finish line and hopefully hit another gear and just keep working, we got a shot. And I think that's what this White Sox fan base has been looking at and saying to themselves, hey, we, we see who isn't in the lineup day in and day out. If we can put that together and kind of figure out where we want Andrew Vaughn to bat, where we want, you know, are we going to ha- find a space for Jake Berger? Is, you know, is, is Grandal going to be able to pick it up? And speaking of Jake Berger, he's going to be on with Mullion Hall tomorrow. I believe it's 8 a.m. Caesar, can you correct me on that? Um, he's going to be on with them. So make sure you guys check out that. If you leave it, leave leave the radio on 670 to score. So when you wake up, boom, yeah. it's right there in, in that simple. whole thing. Just never change the dial. Never change the dial. People still have dials, thing. by the way. I don't even I don't know. Think that, I don't think modern it's like a digital. Jake Berger will be 840 a.m., guys. 840 a.m. A.m. Jake right. Berger. Make sure you picked it up. Now, I was talking a second ago about the lineup. And, and this will be the last question before we get out of here. A lot of people like Andrew Vaughn in the two-hole. And obviously, it could be some recency buys just because he's performed well in the last few games. But do you see someone like him, a younger player, do you see him thriving more in the two-hole where maybe some pressure might be on him? Or do you look at, like me, I'm the I'm, I'm the opposite opinion here, I feel like he should be in that 5-6-7 hole because he can put the bat in the ball and maybe he'd do a little bit better for this team that's been struggling in offense as an RBI guy a little bit further down the lineup than as a guy to spark the offense in the number two hole. What do you think? I, I would say at lowest, like if, uh, you know, maybe if Luis Robert is, you, you put Robert at two, Vaughn at three. Okay. You know, I, I just, I don't, I don't think it's worth batting Andrew Vaughn so low in the lineup when he's really, you know, he's the, the he's been the most consistent nine Tim Anderson bat in yeah. the lineup throughout Facts. the season. You know, and so because everyone else is struggling so bad, like it's one thing if if you start getting more out of Yaz, if you start getting more out of Yoan, then then maybe you say, okay, Andrew Vaughn, you know, you maybe wait your turn, young guy. But for right now, they need offense, man. They're, they're Badly. Just so bad on offense, putting the bat on the ball, getting it, getting on base, taking walks. Just, his approach is consistent. 
more consistent than the veteran cats, man. So, I mean, I think right now, because of how bad everyone else is offensively at the moment, until you get some of these other sticks in the lineup right, Andrew Vaughn needs to get as many at-bats as you can. And that's why I don't understand why Tony LaRusa is still willing to bat him so low in the lineup so consistently because when it comes down to it, you need productivity. You know, we're, we're not just still in the first month of the yeah. season here, man. We're in the June. But, so if, he gets, but if he gets a double, and if he gets a double in the two hole, no one else can bring him in. I mean, it just like it breaks my heart at that point, and that's why I feel like I don't, we're going to talk to Patrick Nolan. He's the editor at Sox right. Machine. Right. Um, you can find him at Sox M A C H underscore P Knowles. I'm going to ask him that very same question. If he agrees with Anton, where Ant, he should be in that two or three slot, or do you do you feel like does he feel like he he can be a an RBI machine? in that five, six, seven. Of course, we're going to talk to Patrick Nolan after this and ask him that question. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. This is literally the soundtrack to my life. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> Anthony knows me too well. I'm like, what? Well, who? What? No, no, we're not doing that. Uh-uh. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. And joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He's the editor at Sox Machine, and he's a good friend of the show, Patrick Nolan. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, Patrick, let me ask you. We've been talking about Andrew Vaughn and where his ideal spot is in this lineup. I'm a firm believer that despite his success in the two-hole, he should be bumped down a little bit just so that that way he can be an RBI machine or at least have the potential to be that. How, what do you feel about that? Do you feel like the two hole is perfect for him or do you see another uh, slot in that lineup where he should be? Yeah, you know, I mean, if you, if you, the idea is to have him drive and run so he could slide him down to four. He'd be just fine there. I, I personally like him in the two hole. Um, I, you know, I'm kind of a numbers guy and they say that uh, in an optimized lineup, you put your best hitter in the second spot because they can help continue the rally in the first inning and they're more likely to come up late in the game when the lineup's turning over, and uh, you really want to make sure that you get your better hitters to the plate. But honestly, second, fourth, I don't think they can really go wrong as long as he's somewhere near the top. I just don't want to see Tony LaRusso put him down in the bottom three anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's been a, a source of frustration, as I'm sure you know well, Patrick, in, in watching these lineups play out throughout the year. Uh, specific to Vaughn, because of some of the consistency that we see there, I mean, what, what's going into Tony LaRusso's explanations for why he's not a guy who they're consistently trying to pump at-bats through? You know, I, I'm not sure. I think that there's still this idea, maybe in LaRusso's mind, that uh, that he can't hit righties that well. I think he's disproven that this year. I know that LaRusso places a lot of stock in the opposing pitcher splits. So, for example, um, you know, the day that they, were, they batted him seventh, I think that they were going up against a pitcher who's <laughs> – allowing an OPS to right-handers that starts with a three. So, I mean, maybe that some of that was going into the decision-making process. I'm not sure. But I, I, if there's a lineup and Andrew Vaughn is not in your top six, there's not a lot of logic behind the thought-making process there. Yeah. I just it's, – it almost seems like it's a it's a puzzle or something. It's like a an algebra problem that you can't just figure out what the hell X equals to, to make this lineup work. And somehow – and they're trying to plug in all these answers and it just – doesn't seem necessarily right. Um, let me ask you, Patrick, about the home run woes. I want to call them that um, for the Chicago White Sox team. I mean, they were 19th in the league last year in home runs, so it's not like they were you know dominant in that space. 
But this year, they're hovering around 23rd in the league. I mean, is that – people will point directly to the hitting coach and his philosophies. Um, what, what would you say is the reason why the Sox haven't necessarily been able to hit the long ball? Well, I think it's a couple different things. Uh, first off, Yasmani Grandal is one of the more prolific home run hitters on the team, and I think that we've seen that he just does not have all of his leg strength there. He's not driven the ball all that much. So I would say that part of it is you know, injury player performance-based. Certainly, Yohan Montada, I know he wasn't a big home run last year, but um, he certainly hasn't hit so much power ever since he stopped uh, appearing in the lineup every day uh, due to sort of the probably reactivating thing with his legs. Uh, but Overall, I know that we saw the first month, month plus of the season, we saw those games, especially at guaranteed rate field, where the weather was not favorable, the wind was not favorable, and a lot of balls, particularly from Jose Abreu, that typically would go out of the park right on the winning track. And I think that's just an unfortunate consequence of where they played their home games and what the weather was like. And, you know, you can't blame the weather at the end of the day. Your opposition ultimately has to play with the same weather. But it does factor into league-wide rankings, and I think if that's been part of the reason why the home run has not been uh, a huge asset for them thus far this season. How would you describe what all, whether tangible, intangible, both, what, what are the White Sox missing not having Tim Anderson in the lineup? Oh, I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, you're talking about somebody who was pushing for an MVP award. He's mm. the spark plug. He's the guy who gets on base at the top of the lineup. I mean, I never thought we'd be talking about Tim Anderson in the conversation for the highest OBP in the league, but uh, you know there he was up there with the league leaders before going down. So um, that, that's just killer, especially given everything he means um, emotionally to this team and all the and the fact that he's just a consistent on-base threat in the lineup that's been really devoid of that. So it, it's been painful. Uh, fortunately, Danny Mendick has. You know, as he seems to do every season, puts together a couple of good weeks that make you think, you know, he's going to be okay. I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop with him, but uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. Yeah, it seems as though, you know, you obviously want him there so that the offense can click. But, you know, the other side of the, the, the Wolves for the Chicago White Sox has been the pitching. You, you've, you've seen with injuries them not be able to put that five rot- five-man rotation in consistently. And you've even seen it in the walks. White Sox second to last in the league, giving up 212 walks um, this season. Do, is there some way, somehow, that this this pitching staff can can turn the corner in terms of being dominant in a way that they were in, in, in certain segments last season? Or do you feel like this is something that they're just going to have to struggle and deal with throughout the course of the year? I think that they can be pretty dominant. I think that the starting rotation, if you had to point to a strength of the team, I think that that would be it. And with Lance Lynn coming back, I think that's it. And talk about somebody who's going to help keep the walks down. I mean, that guy's control is excellent. So um, I think that'll help out a great deal. You know, you got Dallas Keuchel out of the way. Um, Johnny Cueto in there now, pitching real well, um, looking looking very capable and, and not at all cooked, which is great. Um, so that's a huge boost. And then, you know, you have guys like uh, Cease and Kopech who's uh, – Command can wave around them, and sometimes they have starts where they give up a lot of walks. I think we've seen that from both of them lately. Uh, but ultimately, they're two very, very talented players, and I think that's just a hiccup and that they're going to be fine. I think the rotation is going to be really strong from here on out. So how do you see the, the hierarchy? Uh, well, how do you see it at the moment? We're, we're anticipating Lance Lynn's return soon, like you're referencing, but for the moment then, how do you see the hierarchy of White Sox starters? Well, uh, that's they seem to be trading off with one another. I, I think at this point, I would say that Dylan Cease is probably my number one. I know he's had a couple of 
rougher outings lately, but I think that he is probably the best bet of anybody to give you a real good start. Um, I, right now, I would have to say that Michael Kopech is the two, even though he uh, has had these starts where he's walked way too many guys, and sometimes his pitches seem to get away from him. But uh, keep in mind, trying to rank these guys, it's very hard. Cause <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> Patrick, you haven't even mentioned Geo, and you're like, you're already like, oh, I don't know, is it this guy? Is it this guy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 one of those things where we're kind of just splitting hairs here. And I'm, you know, I'm taking, I'm taking a, a stance for the sake of argument, but really like a three, four stretch stretch from anybody can have them leapfrog the other guy. But uh, to finish off the hierarchy, I'd say, you know, going, going with Giolito at number three. And then of course, Johnny Cueto is just here uh, on a minor league deal at number four. Um, and then we'll see where Lance Lynn slots in. I mean, I think it's an open question since he's been out for a while, what he's going to look like out of the gate. But um, that would be, a, that would be how I would rank them at the moment. Patrick Nolan joining us. Of course, he's the editor at Sox Machine. Make sure you guys follow him there on Twitter, at Sox Machine. You know, you're looking at that five-man rotation, and when you say it the way you just said it and laid it out, it sounds so promising as a Chicago White Sox fan. I hear that, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. Why are we? Why, why can't we go on a 15-game winning streak with those guys getting, you know, three chances to, to touch the mound? And it's it's just surprising, and it's sad, but... Well, a team that's been faltering as of late has been has been the Minnesota Twins. They're catchable, right? I mean, this is everybody's been so down on the White Sox, but the, the Twins are catchable, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, not only are the Twins a flawed team, but the Twins schedule is about to get a lot harder, and the White Sox schedule is about to get a lot easier, especially after we get through this Dodgers series. The White Sox play the easiest schedule in Major League Baseball. You know, we're talking a lot of these, these bottom feeders that we haven't really been seeing on the schedule that much lately. And, of course, all the division games against uh, the Royals and Tigers that the Twins have gotten to play that the White Sox have not, that's going to help out, hopefully and theoretically. So I think the Twins are certainly very catchable. I mean, I know it's been a very frustrating season, and certainly I think the team is not as good as we all hoped it would be. But as far as winning the division is concerned, I think they still have a very strong chance. So where do we sit with the TLR index right now then? Because the <laughs> the way that we view Tony La Russa, I think, you know, because it was so shocking and, and in many ways for a lot of folks disappointing when he first got the gig, and that's, that's been something that's just been kind of, you know, he's been swimming upstream on that the whole time he's been the, the Sox manager anyway. But throughout the course of this season, when you factor in injuries, when you factor in the, the inability for even at, when they're healthy, a lot of their best players to produce consistently on offense, but you still got the errors. You still got the, the lineup issues that we've been talking about here. You got the usage of, of some of the bullpen. And I, I do wonder, where, where do you see right now the, the level of, we'll just use the term blame, that goes to the players themselves versus how we view the job that Tony LaRusse is doing? Well, even though I don't think Tony LaRusso has done a very good job, ultimately the blame does lie with the players. I mean, they're the ones out there making, trying to make the plays, and I know the error count has been staggering thus far this season. But again, Tony LaRusso is not out there trying to pick the ball, throw the ball, and <laughs> you know, as much as we'd like to believe in this idea of a manager preaching clean, fundamental defense and getting guys to play the game the right way, you know, ultimately uh, it's it's on them to execute. And you know, looking especially at a guy like Tim Anderson, who has played. He's played good defense under Tony Larusa, and now he's played bad defense under Tony Larusa. And the same thing was true under Rick Renteria. So when we see just a, an anomalous stretch from him where he makes a ton of errors, I, I don't really know that I would point the finger at the manager or anything like that. 
Um, certainly think this Larusa could improve on the margins. Um, I think he leaves his starters in too long. We, we saw that with Giolito uh, just, just yesterday, and it almost, it almost came back to bite them. Um, and, you know, lineup optimization, trying to, I think he could do a better job of, you know, not putting Larry Garcia at the top of the lineup and just kind of trying to stack the, the productive hitters together. Um, but ultimately, it's on the players. I mean, Tony Marusa isn't the one that's had the lowest walk rate in the league, right? Like, those, that's the guys up there not taking, you know, not taking pitches out of the strike zone. So it's on the players. And so as we see, you know, like Phillies making some moves there, talk hey. that maybe even Joe Madden, you know, may, may not be too long for L.A. Is, is there any thought that, that where things sit on the south side with, with the manager, with Tony LaRusa, that there's any thought that he wouldn't be completing this season and leading the White Sox? Yeah, I, I think he's going to be here the whole way, as, much, as frustrating as that can be for, you know, sitting here and watching him make some of these decisions that he makes, but – uh, you know, this is this is not an organization that's really quick with the trigger in terms of firing people. I mean, I think that you know, they, Rick Renneria was shown the door, but you know, Robin Ventura basically had to fire himself uh, before <laughs> they would actually move on from him. So, you know, with Jerry Reinsdorf, I mean, look, look at the owner of the team, and you know, look how Tony Larusa got to be here. And I, I'm not—I don't think that unless you know Larusa looks at him cross-eyed or something like that, I don't think there's going to be any moment or performance-based uh, thing that's going to get LaRusa fired. I feel like if the if the White Sox are, you know, 10 games out, something like something ridiculous like that, it's going to be one of those things, to your point, Patrick, where Tony's just going to say, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to step down. Because he just had a conversation with someone that was like, yo, I want to fire you, but why don't you just step down instead and we'll make it look good from a PR perspective. That's what I could, That's the only way I could see TLR not being there. In the future, of course, we're talking to Patrick Nolan, editor at Sox Machine, uh, right here on Six Seventy Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. I have a two part question for you, Patrick, and it has to do with some in season moves. What position do you feel like upper management will address as the trade deadline approaches? And this is the second part: Do you feel like Reynaldo Lopez will somehow end up on the move because he he will be sought after as a starting pitcher from some somebody else? Yeah, you know, I don't think Reynaldo Lopez, I'll answer the second part first. I don't think that Reynaldo Lopez will be on the move. I mean, the White Sox have tried that experiment for several years, and I don't I don't know if any organization is going to see him as, as kind of a missing piece. Um, he's found a little bit of, a, of a, a second life in the bullpen, but the White Sox haven't really been using him for, for longer outings or anything like that. I think that they're kind of trying to see what he can do in shorter bursts, and, you know, they've had a decent amount of success with that, probably more than what... Uh, you know what we would have expected before they tried it out. Um, as far as uh, as far as trading for guys that can help, uh, you know, I think that I think that the position of greatest need is second base. Unfortunately, you know that doesn't seem to be where the market is right with trade candidates. Uh, I would I would keep an eye on Andrew Benintendi of the Royals uh, mm. just because he's a left-handed bat, and I know it's set, it seems like the White Sox have a, you know a glut of outfielders, but. You know, Gavin Sheets, not, not only does he not belong out there, he's not really giving the team much. And, and Andrew Vaughn really shouldn't be out there either. So um, when, when you look at a guy with uh, Eloy Jimenez's injury history and A.J. Pollock's struggles, um, you could kind of see a way that uh, a guy like Benintendi could be accommodated. Man, how does Yasmati Grandal get right? <laughs> yeah. I, Without saying too much, we all want to know the answer to that damn question. <laughs> Well, I, 
I think that uh, it's it's kind of just what he said. He's still trying to get the strength back in his legs. And what Grandella said is that it's not really going to come from you know any sort of game reps or anything like that. It's just the work he needs to do in the weight room to get right. I mean, mm. I think there's there's not much question in my mind that he's playing hurt. If I was if I were the White Sox, I would have had him on the injured list a while ago, and you know give Carlos Perez a shot, who's actually playing pretty well at AAA. Uh, that's this is the kind of reason that uh, that you value depth, and I think the White Sox are missing an opportunity to see what they have in Perez, while also at the same time shooting their lineup in the foot by having Grandal go out there and put up an OPS starting with four. So I think that it's just a matter of Grandal getting healthy, and I think back to last season after his stretch on the injured list, he came back firing on all cylinders. Yeah. So I'd like to see them give some give him some rest. Have him work on the, on, on the on his legs a good deal, and you know just focus on that. You know, no need to squat behind the plate or put any extra strain on himself. Patrick, I always appreciate your wisdom when you come on this show. See what I did there? Um, but and I appreciate you hanging out with us. Have a fantastic evening. All right. Absolutely, you too. Editor at Socks Machine. You can follow him on social media. Socks M A C H underscore P Knowles. Patrick Nolan, of course, joining us here on 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. What's your uh, what's your level of concern as you just sit here right now? I mean, the, the division itself, it seem, I, I'm still not completely sure if I feel like the division itself is much deeper than we thought coming in, or is this mainly yeah. about the Sox underperforming, now making the division look deeper? Like, I, I did think coming in the division would be, you know, at least marginally better. Than last year, but it's there you know, for the like, taking it. Yeah, I mean, it's there feels for the, that way. Our, our biggest competition. Excuse me, this White Sox biggest competition. <laughs> you could tell I, 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 I'm a big fan right, here. Right, the, uh-huh. their, their biggest competition is themselves, right? I mean, geez, when Patrick laid out that five man rotation, it sounded phenomenal. When you have mm-hmm. Lance Lynn at the five instead of the one or two slot that he was last year going into the playoffs, yeah. it says a lot about this White Sox team. And and then, like Tim Anderson said, if you can get everybody back healthy and they could just catch that groove, you know, six, seven games in a row, a couple of those win streaks. It's, so, again, it's really on them. And, and to go back to what you guys were saying about Yasmani Grandal, I mean, geez, I know his legs are all messed up. But what about his eyes? I mean, he, he <laughs> always drew so many walks. I mean, that was right. something that, you yeah. know, what would contribute to his on-base percentage. And you don't need legs for that. So you just have to have a better better idea of what it looks like at the plate. So I think there's more going on there than just his legs, but he is part of that equation, someone that needs to elevate his game so that that way. And, and you know what? The one thing you can kind of look at it in, in terms of a bright spot is that the, the possibility of them all of them clicking on all cylinders is still out there, right? It's not as if they've been playing, you know, all the guys are there and they just suck. Right. It's 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 it, people are people have been missing. You haven't had the whole roster there. You haven't had the starting five, you know, just being in rotation, like I mentioned earlier. So there's things like that that, that keep me happy and that let me know I'm not so down and out like everybody else. Like somebody put on Twitter the other day and they're like, stop watching the White Sox. Save yourself the trouble. They're trash. They're not me. And I'm like, bro, chill. Like, it's not that serious. This team is good. You just got to give them an opportunity to play well. And and we're going to see more of that. I wanted to ask Patrick on the way out, and that's what I should have. What, what does he think is going to happen against this this Dodgers series that we're about to okay. face, this three-game series? Does he think we're going to have the same luck? That, or, damn, I called it luck. Same <laughs> success that we had against the Tampa Bay Rays? I mean, when you look at it, man, I mean, overall, the, there's portions of this season that have kind of been the inverse of last year. Like, there were key players in this lineup who did an excellent job, like Yaz, like Mankata, who did a really good job getting walks, 
part of that, though, like I heard Speeds talking about this earlier today, I thought, I thought it was a really good point where when they were healthy and they could hit with power, then that did make a difference in how folks attacked them. You can attack them a little bit more now. You know, where yeah. Grand Dahl, he was driving the ball out of the park, and so you can draw walks a little bit better when folks have to kind of paint the corner True. against you and aren't as willing to kind of, you know, drive the ball down the heart of the plate as frequently because they're worried about you knocking it out or at least getting some extra base hits and that sort of thing. But I think that for the way – the lineup just still seems like it's not coming together yet. It still has been a thing where with, against some of the better teams in baseball, the Sox have been able to come up with a winning record. You know, against the AL East, they've got a winning record overall, I think. Yeah. But overall, the worst teams in baseball are the ones they're not really cleaning up in the way that they should. Whereas last season, was like, oh, are they bum slayers? They got this huge lead in the division because the division's awful. Then they're beating all these bad teams and against the better teams. They couldn't really get their act together. They've actually played some of their best baseball against the better teams on their schedule. They just got to be able to be far more consistent with it. And then, of course, when your lineup's inconsistent, then it's hard for the overall win-loss record to be consistent as well. So it's, you know, that's why I do find it interesting to kind of hear, because there's plenty of, there's plenty of you know, where Tony La Russa, what he's doing with the lineup and a lot of things in-game that are rife for criticism. But then I, I do like to hear folks out just on, on how they balance the two, how much is LaRusa? how much is all these other issues that the team is suffering? I think on the whole, the answer is just yes. It's all of it. You want the manager to be better. <laughs> you want people yes. to be healthier. You want them when they're healthy to perform at a higher level. And none of it is going right for the Sox. Well, their three-game series against the Los Angeles Dodgers kicks off tomorrow, 7, 10 p.m. Of course, make sure you look out for that. And if your favorite White Sox player is Tim Anderson, don't forget, we are going to be replaying his interview with Lawrence Holmes right around 840, about an hour from right now. Make sure you guys set your alarm and stick around for that. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. He just said he loves hearing people's answers to certain questions. And he has a, he has a question for me regarding his son mm-hmm. and, and something that he wants to let him do, a, a specific movie that he wants to let him watch. What's that movie, and would you let your kids watch it? Well, I ask myself that and you on the other side. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. On 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. That's right. We are here. Anthony Heron, Gabe Ramirez, 670 The Score. Happy Monday. I was thinking earlier today, and I was like, yo, Monday Night Football. <laughs> it's like all I could think about, really, is, is the <laughs> NFL season. You cannot wait for the I'm, football season. I genuinely in. cannot wait for the. And it's, you want to know why? Because that's the season where I make the most money in gambling. Oh, okay. So, you know, I love right. my, my, my love of sports is basketball, football, then baseball. So, it's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm making pretty decent money on baseball, but football is really yeah. where it's at. You know, you just pick a couple of games, throw a parlay together, and then rake. So, I've just been thinking now, about So, is it football. are you best at betting on football, or is it the volume of, of money that you put down you end up winning the most? I'd say both. I'm, I'm best at football, okay. and I put the okay. most money because I'm, I'm the best. <laughs> I make the most money. It's just because you know what it is. Early in the season, a lot of a lot of people don't watch the games, mm. and you know, Ant and I, we work at Fox. We're over here covering the Bears games, and and I like to. I have the NFL package or the NFL. Right. Yeah, it's like a. It's basically where you can watch every game, like a condensed version of the game. It gives you like a, a whole game in like 27 minutes. It's the best thing mm. ever. So I watch all these games because I play fantasy football. I cover fo- I cover the NFL. So I watch all these games. So come like week two or three when people are like, oh, the Chargers are going to be, you know, dominate this game. And you're like, well, actually, the Chargers have been playing really bad. And, you know, if you watch these games and, you know, the Bengals have been playing really well. So th- this is a, pr- a game that's mispriced. So I have a, a lot of instances like that where I'm like, anyways, whatever. Can't wait for football. 
Can't wait for Monday Night Football to be specific. Um, but I can't wait for this question that you have for me. And and it's interesting because it has to do with, with a, a movie that I've only seen the first one. I haven't seen any of the, the rest of them. Wait, what? Dude, Star Wars, never watched the whole movie <laughs> thing like that. Jurassic Park, I just watched the first one, and that was it. I mean, did you grew up in a house with a television, I assume, right? Facts. Not a lot of cable. Not <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, I mean, wow. That's uh that that's not what I expected to hear from you. I mean, it's so the the film series, the saga, if you will, that we're about to discuss here is the Jurassic Park series. I got my, my Welcome. Oh wow. I love this. To Jurassic Park. Yes. Ah! That one. So my uh my four year old son, he cannot get enough of dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, just every day he wakes up in the morning, he goes to sleep at night with a dinosaur stuffy. Dinosaurs are just all around him at all times. Every time he gets home from school, he can't wait to play dinosaurs. Okay. I, I have lost count of how many dino figurines we have, just toys, large, medium-sized, small, you name it, stickers. Just got dinosaur on his mind at all times. So, of course, another Jurassic Park movie coming out here. And for me, you know, for us as a kid, that OG Jurassic Park movie in the early 90s was kind of what we associated with dinosaur entertainment. Now, sure. you know, I was a teenager when that came out, and then they made the the trilogy at that point, kind of in the, the early and then through the late 90s, I think. Took some time off. Now you got this, I think, going to be the third new one that's coming out here uh, later this week. I'm trying to decide, man. Been discussing it with the wife a little bit about whether or not, because we, we've been really, really picky. We are really choosy. Like, I grew up in a house where my folks kind of, you know, like once they got us out to the burbs, we could pretty much watch anything. You sure. know, they were both real busy, working their tails off, still driving into the city. We had cable TV, so we, you know, we didn't really have a whole lot of restrictions on our viewing habits, me and my siblings, and we all turned out fine. Me and my wife, though, we're really, really strict <laughs> with what our son's been able to watch up to this point. So it's kind of a big decision for sure. us in whether or not we would let the four-year-old watch a Jurassic Park movie. And if we end up doing it, we'll probably do it in some kind of like sequential order. Maybe we'll start with the one Mm. with the OG from back in the 90s and work forward from there. But we're just trying to decide whether or not, like how young is too young to go down that route? I don't know, man. Like, How how do you handle stuff like that with your kids? I'll say this. If you let him watch Chicago Bears games during the season, then... (laughs) It's, you know what I mean? Like, if we're watching trash, I mean, like, come on. I mean, we're right there lined up with the same thing. But when it comes to, to I guess, you know, my daughter's a little younger than, than your son. She's uh, only two. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I don't care. I'll just be like, man, put on whatever. And then my wife's the one that's like, babe, they should not be watching this. And I'm like, but she's two. It doesn't matter. Uh, and and I right. watched, I always watched, you know, R-rated movies growing up. I just got the hand over the eye treatment. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. I was, turn, right. your, turn your head, boy. What? Yep. For what? I've yep. seen this before. Turn, turn your head, boy. Don't let me catch you looking at this. <laughs> so when it comes to Jurassic Park, my question for you would then be, what is the concern, the violence? Or do you think it'll then turn him off from dinosaurs because he'll see them being violent? I suppose probably mainly the violence, just kind of the, the viewing habits in general. Like we I, actually we uh we had a little birthday party uh, for my niece at my parents' house over the weekend. And um, my my other niece, my older niece, her and her husband brought these uh these virtual reality goggles over. I for whatever reason, I've never act, well. I wore VR goggles one time out at Stanford. I was out at Stanford calling a football game a few years ago, and just in their football facility, they got like this virtual ah, reality yeah. sort of simulator for their quarterbacks to train them. 
But as far as just like a video game VR type of deal, I'd never actually worn one of those before. They brought it over to my folks' house over the weekend. Everybody had it on, this boxing game or whatever. So it was literally the first time. Like we even got to the point where the little kids were doing it too. They put it on my son. He didn't know what to do. Like it was just kind of weird to him. It kind of, sure. you know, just made him uncomfortable. It's just some person who's across from him, but he's actually not there, and he's never played a video game. He doesn't really have that yeah. experience with it. So I, I'd say as much as anything, probably just because we've been fairly strict with what we let him watch, then nah. I don't know. It would just be it would be a departure. And throw him in the, the fire, bro. Been. Throw him in the fire. If he cries, it turn it off. Because <laughs> that's what you're really worried <laughs> well, about. I mean, if we're in the movie, well, I guess it's one thing if we're in a movie theater and right. he cries, we all got to leave. But right. it's one thing, yeah, if we just pull it up on the TV with one of the old ones, then yeah, I guess we can just cut it off. I want to open Hold up on the- to your butt. <laughs> that's what want, you got to do, man. I want to open up the text line because I want to hear what people would say. Because this is a... This is a movie that's on the fence, right? It's not like it's some mm. like hypersexual movie where you're like, hey, should I let this four-year-old watch it? It's just like a, a dinosaur movie, right? Some fictitious sci-fi. So the, the, the text line here is 312-644-6767. Would you let your four-year-old watch some Jurassic Park? I think that's, <laughs> I think that's interesting. But, Ant, you got to let, uh, you know, let the leash go a little bit, bro. You got you to, you know. Well, like, like, cause take me to, like, what, what's the worst thing you guys are letting him do? Like, do you guys... Not so, give him ice cream after dinner too, or like what is it? Oh no, man! He, I mean, it's, my son is a live wire, so the sugar <laughs> intake that has to be monitored because he he does not need any additional energy in his life after a certain hour. So yeah, I mean, you know, if we're doing treats and stuff like that, then yeah, that'll usually be before dinner. We might lead with that and then have some dinner because if it's too late at night, he ain't going to bed. It will okay. literally be bouncing off the walls if it comes down to that. So, yeah, we're pretty choosy with the with the diet, with the viewing habits. Um, but, you know, we figure out right, we get to a certain point. Like, full disclosure, we actually – it was either last weekend or the weekend before. Now, I think it was last weekend, actually, where we went – it was like kind of his first – not kind of, it was his first grown-up movie. We took him to a PG-13. Okay. We went and saw Top Gun. Okay. So we took him out there for that. Now, you know, it's not – like there, there's some foul language which he doesn't, you know, doesn't get a whole lot of foul language around him. So there's a little top, little foul sure. language in Top Gun, and you got airplanes shooting at each other, which he, you know, really hadn't seen that. Okay. So that actually, what ended up happening there, he had, and he woke up the next morning, came in the room, came down the hallway crying. He had had a nightmare, and actually, somebody just tweeted at me about about uh, Jurassic Park. I just tweeted it out saying I was going to ask you about it on the show here. Yeah. And one of the responses on Twitter was, "I'm sure he'll be okay." There'll be a couple nightmares, but kids are resilient. <laughs> so do I really want to put my son in position yes. where I'm almost guaranteeing him nightmares? Get him Is from under the shelter. Parenting? Unshelter him. Give him some exposure <laughs> to actual life. Life is crazy. It is a We're talking damn dinosaurs, whirlwind. Gabe. The things oh, are Oh, damn, my bad. Wait, oh, my bad. My bad. I went crazy for a second. We wanna, <laughs> a little bit different. We're, we're going to go to the Tech Zone. It's brought to you by Rosa Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosahyundai.com. Someone said, does he like Step Brothers? <laughs> Which is like, don't let him watch Step Brothers. That's wild. Yeah, we're going to hold off on Somebody that. actually, uh, 847 number, gave a really good uh, tidbit. Said if he hasn't, he should watch the animated Jurassic Park show on Netflix. Now, see, there you go. Keep it light. So, what he's, he's literally down the hallway, what he's watching right now, they got this new dinosaur uh, special called Prehistoric Planet that just debuted on, um, on Apple TV okay. a couple of weeks ago. 
down the hallway watching that right now. So we're using that as kind of a little bit of a buildup. Okay. Just to see, you know, because so, everything he watches right now, all the dinosaur stuff is kind of cartoon. Cartoon. Like Baby Shark when they, when they have the uh, like, dinosaurs. He doesn't mind watching kind of real, like people just talking about dinosaurs and teaching about them or okay. different kind of types of animated things. So this, this Apple TV thing, though, is kind of, you know, kind of a full CGI type of vibe that almost makes it look Jurassic Parkish, kind of right. realistic. I'm assuming some dinosaurs are attacking each other, eating each other, maybe even some other stuff happening with some yeah. dinosaur babies getting made. Okay. So that, okay. that'll be a little bit of a step up. We'll see how he handles that. And then you got maybe quick hands, man. You play D. You play D line. You got quick hands, so the hand yep. can go over his eyes real quick. You know, you just got to remember, like, think like you're <laughs> shuffling through the defense. Uh, last text, uh, last text message. I'm gonna shout out somebody from the seven away said, "Don't do it, Ant." Unless Gabe's going to come over when the kids get nightmares next week and help you out with the parenting part. Papa, I got two of my own kids. I ain't leaving nowhere and, and during sleepy time. Uh, but, hey, man, let us know what happens. Next time we're on the show, I'm going to ask you if you actually right, took them we'll to go see. check out that Jurassic Park thing. I will still take your text messages, though, 312-644-6767. On the other side of this, we know dinosaurs are real. But how are the Chicago Cubs' chances of staying out of last place? Are those real? Uh, to, to find out, we are going to talk to Evan Altman at 820 on the other side about some uh, Cubs stuff. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. This is 670 The Score. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.